You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko, along with your host, James Rapine. We're in the middle of our three-episode week here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. A reminder for everybody who may be new or, or maybe you're just tuning in for the first time in a little bit, we are on a three-times-a-week schedule right now and will be on that schedule until training camp starts in about a month in late July. And today, James, we're going to talk a little bit about both sides of the ball. We realize that we've neglected the defense a little bit, I think, in our coverage of OTAs and and of the offseason program because there's just so much hype and so much attention around Joe Burrow and his recovery. So, of course, that's where our attention naturally went, as did yours. But we're going to spend a little bit of time today talking about the defense a little bit later on in the show. But James, you're really excited about some Bengals content today. So I'm going to let you share your excitement and kick us off with some some hype. Let's call it hype. Have you seen these uniforms, Jake? Well, of course you've seen these uniforms. But have you seen them on Tyler Shelvin? Have you seen them on Dante Smith? Guys that up until Tuesday... Or Monday, actually, Monday evening, I hadn't seen in these uniforms. But thanks to Media Day, I don't have to stare at Photoshops anymore. And I see these dudes wearing the Bengals' new stripes. And I got to be honest with you, Jake, I'm sold. Not that I didn't like the Bengals' uniforms before, but they look damn good on Bruhman72. That's Tyler Shelvin's Twitter handle, by the way. They look damn good on Dante Smith. I don't know if the rookies are going to be good or not, but outside of Photoshop, I hadn't seen these guys in Bengals stripes in the new uniforms, but I saw them on Monday and I don't know, man, it got me excited. I think they look good. And if you look good, maybe you play good. And if you you play good, well, then everyone's going to be happy. So I was, uh, I was excited to see some of the rooks specifically the, the middle round rooks in the, uh, in the Bengals new uniforms. What was it? about these particular rookies, James, because I feel like we've seen Jamar Chase, right? We've seen all the the veterans, but what is it about the Deontay Smith and Tyler Shelvin photos that have you just, I mean, they're big. Is it, is it because they're big men, but we've seen DJ reader too. So what is it about? What is it about those two guys? I don't know. Maybe it's because the Bengals media team is just killing it. Right. (laughs) And in the, the media day and the setup and the pictures and, the lighting and everything makes them look even better. Uh, but whatever it is, I just think the new uniforms look really, really, really clean. And I was excited to see it on these guys. I know there were a lot of people calling uh, for Chase in it and seeing Chase in it. And that was a big deal last week at their media day. But to me, I had seen about 57,000 photoshops of Jamar Chase. I knew about what it would be like. There aren't many pictures of Deontay Smith in college, playing in college, because he went to ECU. So the the number of photoshops and, and edits, they were very limited. And yeah, Tyler Shelvin, he played at LSU, but he opted out last year, and there aren't as many pictures of defensive linemen. So there was a, a limited supply of those as well. So I think that's part of it. But uh, either way, it got me excited. I, I even wrote a post about it on allbengals.com. I was excited to see these guys, and I, I think fans 
like the uniform. So if you haven't seen it, uh, you can check them out on Twitter. By the way, they might have two of the better Twitter handles on the team. So that uh, might coincide with my excitement. Deontay Smith is, for those of you that don't know, Big Smooth, spelled B1G. Do you think he wanted to to play for a Big Ten school? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, probably. I'm sure he did. And he probably should have, given that he's uh, in the NFL now. I wonder I wonder where that came from. I, I it's probably just because big with an I was taken. I, I would assume. Anyway, go check all that out. They're they're on these guys' social media pages. They're on allbengals.com. I wanted James to have an opportunity to share his excitement with you on this hot. It's really hot where I am. Is it hot where you are? Really hot June day. It has been really hot. But as we record this Tuesday evening. Nice 70 degrees in Cincinnati, which is what I like. I went for a run today, had a little built bar afterwards, and it took me about 10 minutes to start sweating on this run, and that that's normally not the case. That's, that's a sign, Jake, that the, the breeze and the spring weather, not summer weather, is here at least for a few days. Lucky you in Cincinnati. I'm out on the West Coast, and we've got this crazy heat wave going on. I don't know if you've seen it in like California and Washington. It's mm-hmm. not quite as bad here, but it's it's – hot it's hot i can see the sweat dripping off your forehead as you record this podcast well that's not true uh, i'm not sweating on my forehead but i am sweating and and maybe that's to do with this uh spicy burrito i'm trying to eat i'm trying to finish my lunch over here anyway let's talk about a little bit of bengals football shall we coming up next i want to talk about first before we get to the defensive conversation that i promised some interesting comments from brian callahan that have popped up in a few stories that speak to the offensive line and and the confidence in some specific players there. Then we'll get into that defensive conversation. Those two topics coming your way in just a little bit. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. The NBA playoffs are in full swing. It's down to the conference championship games. The final four can Trey young and the Hawks continue their magical run or will Giannis be less sweaty at the free throw line? You can bet on either way, or maybe it's the Western Conference Finals where Devin Booker continues to lead the Suns. Will Kawhi return for the Clippers? Either way, regardless of your opinion, you can bet at betonline.ag. Make money while you watch. And if you don't care about the NBA, maybe you want to wager on the Reds in Major League Baseball or the Bengals. And they're over under prop bets for Jamar Chase and the rest of the rookie class. You can do all of that in one spot betonline.ag. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with promo code locked on. Again, go to betonline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. James, the good news for Bengals fans is there are a preponderance of fantastic Bengals content creators and writers out there. And some of them got some access to Brian Callahan that didn't show up at least or or wasn't part of the transcript for his press conference. And one of those guys was Paul Daner Jr. And he talked to Callahan about the offensive line. And I find some of these quotes to be very interesting. But the one that I tweeted about today that I found the most interesting, and if I tweet about something in June, it's because I find it very interesting. People that follow the podcast, follow me, know that as the podcast drops back to three days a week, I drop back to tweeting like, 
once or twice a week. You know, I, I'm, I'm not very active on social media, but I did find this to be very interesting. And it's because Brian Callahan appears to have a lot of confidence in Quentin Spain. And I thought that this was going to be a real roster battle. But the way Paul Dater Jr. wrote this piece, the Bengals offensive line, the starters right now, we have leaders in the clubhouse effectively. He wrote that Jackson Carmen, right guard is his job to lose and left guard belongs. This is Paul Dater's words. Left guard belongs to Quentin Spain. And he backs it up. With this Callahan quote, he says, the guy I feel the most comfortable with right now that he's going to be even better than he was a year before is Quentin Spain. And he goes on to talk about why, you know, he's had more time in the system. He's getting settled in. He concluded the quote with saying, if he can return to how he played at Tennessee, that would be great for us. So the confidence in the first part of that quote really really stands out to me. And there's some other confidence from Callahan about the offensive line we're going to talk about, but I thought this was going to be a down-to-the-wire competition, but it sounds like, from Paul Daner Jr.'s interpretation of this conversation, Quentin Spain is the leader, firm leader. And you're right. It's shocking that it, it seems this clear-cut as you read between the, the lines that Brian made pretty clear. At the same time, think about the excitement when Quentin Spain got to town. And I get it. <laughs> the Bengals were desperate for offensive line help. But there was excitement around him because he was this proven commodity. And last year, he showed he could play three spots, mostly two, but had to play three spots. And was this do-it-all, versatile veteran that just wants to prove himself, Mr. Undrafted. He still lives by that label and has a chip on his shoulder. And that probably grew when the Bills released him. And so, yeah, now you you got him coming back. And re-signing him to just a one-year deal. It's not like you had to make a big commitment. And from a health standpoint, just health-wise, him and Xavier Suofilo. Well, Xavier Suofilo has batted, battled health issues, not just last year with, with his with the Bengals when he got hurt in week one. But over the past couple of years, he's had some, some injury issues and things like that. So to me, couple that with Spain having that full offseason – it might not be as shocking. Like you, I thought it was going to be a competition, and it still will be, right? I think Quentin Spain's going to still have to earn the job. But when I really think about it, is it completely shocking to think, oh, yeah, Quentin Spain's the the leader in the room? It's not, especially because he was straight up better and more versatile, partially because he was just healthier than Xavier Suofilo was last year. And he, he left a lot out there, by the way. I don't think Spain was by anywhere by any stretch perfect or even above average. But I think the Bengals might think he can be at least average and maybe slightly above average with the full offseason. They clearly think that unlike some other players that have pedigrees that are available right now, who they've hinted very strongly they're not interested in, Quentin Spain has an opportunity here to return to his former peak. And, and when he talks about specifically how he played with Tennessee, he was very, very good for Tennessee. He's got some Pro Bowl level play in his history. And if he gets back to that level and suddenly you have a Pro Bowl level player at left guard and you have confidence in Jonah Williams, obviously, and, and Riley Reef is a former Pro Bowler, then suddenly you could have some solid play across the offensive line. And that's something else that Callahan talked about. He said he feels like they're deeper they have guys that if somebody gets hurt, they're not scared. Somebody can step in and play. 
which kind of speaks to the fact that Callahan was perhaps a little fearful of their depth in years past and, and the rebuild project that this team had on the offensive line, especially with Clinton Bowling's retirement in that first year for this coaching staff. I mean, it was never easy for them. They kind of did in many ways start from scratch outside of Trey Hopkins, who really came into his own with this staff. So he's talking about the the certainty and, and the security and knowing who the guys are going to be at tackle, the depth battles, but a lot of confidence here with some of these individual players across the offensive line. And obviously they're very bullish on the rookie Jackson Carmen. So if Jackson Carmen can be okay, if, if Quentin Spain's going to take this big leap, if Riley reef continues to be his consistent self, if Jonah Williams continues to be consistent and stays healthy and they get Trey Hopkins back, I think this is where the optimism comes from with the starters, right? And you can kind of see how that might have the makings of a pretty decent offensive line, and it's just, it's encouraging, I guess, to see Callahan, who's generally pretty frank, pretty open, and pretty direct, have this sort of confidence in so many of these spots on the offensive line. And Jake, if they had, let's say Spain had stayed with Buffalo for this entire 2020 season, and then they had signed him this offseason, I think that would have been noteworthy-ish. Right. Like, I think it would have made enough waves, even if he didn't play a ton last year in Buffalo, which obviously he was on the outside looking in by the end of things. But I think it would have been a bigger signing. And maybe you'll you'll correct me here and, and disagree, but um, a bigger signing than Xavier Suofilo was last year because of the potential that he brings. So now you have a guy who's been in the system now for a half a year and he's played the three spots like I mentioned I know it's not as exciting because he was part of that bad line last year, but I, I do think that there's a, a scenario where he is a big part of things in 2021 and can help keep Burrow upright in open holes for Joe Mixon. I'm not sure I'm going to correct you per se, but but Xavier Suofilo's contract was bigger and still is bigger than the one-year deal that Quentin Spain's signed. Quentin Spain's 30. How would we have looked at this? If if we had looked at this as signing a guy that got benched in Buffalo, I don't think, I don't know. It would have been seen as like an upside kind of signing, right? We would have liked it for, for what it was, but I would have seen it probably as a depth move, which is kind of how I saw it when the Bengals brought him back. But now they're very bullish apparently on his future. And somebody asked me on Twitter when I posted this, let me go find the name. He asked me, well, if they're so confident, why Why only do a one-year deal, right? And there's a few different explanations for that. One of them is he didn't want a multi-year deal. One of them is they weren't sure how good he would be. And, and since they signed into that deal, they've been really impressed with him. And the third possibility is, well, this is just coach speak. And this doesn't actually mean anything, right? And so that was uh, Joe to Tiger King who, who asked me that question, by the way. So shout out for that interesting question. But there are some possible explanations to it. And and one of them, the one that I think is the most optimistic is that he's shown a lot since they signed to that deal in the off season program and the meetings and showing a good understanding of things. And Frank Pollock is really happy with how he's picking up the technique that Frank Pollock is teaching. And hopefully that's the case. I think the most likely thing is probably in the middle, right? It, it always is where yeah, they gave him a one-year deal because he does have something to prove. At the same time, 
the coaches certainly like him and think that he has the upside and, and hopefully he can deliver because if he delivers, everybody's going to be happy next offseason with uh, Joe Burrow upright because they have a left guard that can be competent and uh, Spain will get paid whether it's in Cincinnati or elsewhere. So that's certainly something that we'll monitor as the uh, Bengals offensive line tide continues to turn. But let's switch gears up next, the defense and an interesting question that the voice of the Bengals posed last week. Did you know that Built Bar is the best protein bar on the planet? If you didn't, then you must not have ever listened to the Locked On Bengals podcast before because we tell you about it pretty much every episode. They've got nine great flavors, the occasional limited time flavor like my favorite, the coconut brownie chunk. They've also got fruit flavors like cherry and raspberry. They've got some brownies out there for you, the mint brownie, the peanut butter brownie, and a double chocolate for the chocolate lovers. They're all covered in 100% real chocolate, speaking of chocolate lovers, and Not only do they taste great, but they're good for you. Most of the bars have 17 grams of protein on just 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar. You can get 15% off your order of Built Bars right now at BuiltBar.com. Use promo code LOCK15 to save that 15% on your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Jake, I was listening to the latest episode of the Bengals Booth Podcast, which is my favorite Bengals podcast not named Locked on Bengals. And Dan Horde had a concern, question about the team and a weakness. And it really didn't have to do with the offensive line, which is one refreshing because we've talked about the offensive line for months and months and months and rightfully so. But it's something I thought we could discuss. Basically, he asked if the Bengals have that game changing player on defense that can seal the deal with the game on the line. You you look at Pittsburgh, they have T.J. Watt. Right. You, you look at Cleveland, they have a, a couple of guys, but Miles Garrett probably stands out the most. And he kind of threw out the idea that it's going to probably have to be by committee. At the same time, I see Jesse Bates, which he, he acknowledged. Can a safety be that you think of today's NFL or is it going to be a, a committee here on, on the defensive side of the ball for the Bengals? I think that it might be hard for it to be Jesse Bates because of the nature of of the position he plays. And there was a really great piece, by the way, on Jesse Bates from Benjamin Solak over at the Draft Network that I retweeted, but highly recommend everybody goes and reads. It talks a little bit about this, but when you're a single high safety and you're a center fielder and you're really, really good at that job, which Jesse Bates is, your impact on plays can be limited, right? You can end up not impacting some plays because maybe you're a little bit easy to avoid or, or game plan around. And I think we saw this last year a little bit. Jesse Bates in his role was more of a fireman than he was able to be a playmaker. And that's not to say he didn't make plays, but for the most part, he's putting out fires around him, right? He, he's dealing with the deficiencies of the defense elsewhere, perhaps with a defense that has the potential to be a little bit more consistent. Jesse Bates can be more of that playmaker mold, but it's not like he's a guy like Tyran Matthew. When I think of playmaking safeties, I think of guys in that mold that have that incredible versatility. They can play the slot. They can play in the box. They're great blitzers. They're great deep half. They're great deep center. And and they can kind of do all of it. And while Jesse Bates is 
elite, like an elite free safety. He's very, very good at what he does. His his ability to impact defensive plays is it's just a little bit limited, right? Because like I said, there there are ways that offenses can just kind of avoid the impact he can make on games. With some of the guys you talked about, James, especially some of those pass rushers, it's a little bit more challenging, right? When you've got a Miles Garrett or you've got a TJ Watt on your team, those guys can wreck your game. Jesse Bates can also wreck your game if you give him the opportunity to do so. But in order for him to have that opportunity, I think some of the pieces around him have to put him in a position where he can do that, right? And and I think that is the challenge for him to be that that game-changing playmaker that that he has all of the ability and potential to be. So this isn't like Jesse Bates's fault. I want to make that very, very clear. But I just don't know, you know, he, he can't put a defense on his back as much as he tries to and as much as he does for this defense. Yeah, and part of that is he's not an edge rusher. Like you said, it's a positional thing where the, the dominant elite edge rushers can impact a game like that in, in a completely different way. At the same time, you're right, the pieces around him. Well, the Bengals have added a bunch of pieces around him. Any of these guys stand out? Like, to me, you, you were describing Tyron Matthew, and I'm like, well, Mike Hilton can do some of that. He might be able to pitch in some and be that playmaker and cause some pressure and be somewhat disruptive. But And I'm not saying he's Tyron Matthew, by the way. Uh, edge rusher-wise, you know, they do have guys. The motors don't stop. Trey Hendrickson, right? Zach Taylor talked about that last week. Sam Hubbard, you hope that Joseph Osai can hit the ground running. But I, I go back to what Dan kind of his point was, and he, he asked, I think he asked Zach Taylor this last week. It, I think it's going to be a committee. If they're a good defense, I don't think it's, oh, game's on the line. This guy's going to make the play. Even if Bates is great and a first-team All-Pro and a Pro Bowler and has seven or eight interceptions – I think there's going to be a game where Hubbard's going to have to steal the seal the deal. And, you know, there's going to be a game where DJ reader makes a big stop on the goal line, et cetera. If this team is going to get where it wants to get. And that's the nature of defense, right? It's very hard for one player on defense to take over a game. That's why it's so rare. That's why Aaron Donald is so valuable. That's why he wins defensive player of the year pretty much every year. That's why Geno Atkins was so valuable for, for some of those Bengals defenses in his heyday because he could individually wreck a game. And again, I, I'm not saying that a deep middle free safety can't do that. And Jesse Bates certainly can. But like his impact is probably less than, you know, a guy like Richard Sherman in his prime or Daryl Revis in his prime, right? The, the shut down half the field, take your number one receiver out of the game. Jesse Bates, it's just not his job to do that, right? His job is you know, try, try to steal some plays, try to try to make some interceptions, be that last defender. And as good as he is, it, it's just like I said, I, I think I'm probably a broken record at this point. There, there's only so much he can do. So, yeah, you, you need one of these guys to step up. Let me ask you this, because you talk about range of outcomes a ton. What's the ceiling for this defense? Perfect world, things pan out and, and things are great. Look, it's June. Let's be optimistic. What is the ceiling for this revamped Lou Anarumo led defense? I mean, they, they could be a top 10 defense. I mean, you're saying best case scenario, right? That means everybody's yeah. healthy. 
That means Trey Hendrickson is is the ascending player that that we've discussed that the Bengals think he is, that he can be a three down player. He's good against the run like the Bengals think he is. And he has another like 13 sack season. And those 13 sacks aren't all hustle sacks. That hustle turns into additional pressures and, and he becomes a major disruptor. Sam Hubbard is, is you know, a, a solid pass rusher who gets some of those cleanup sacks because now Trey Hendrickson has become a disruptor and kind of does the Trey Hendrickson role in Cincinnati. But all of this requires Trey Hendrickson to take a bit of a step. Larry Ogunjobi, right, comes in as a three tech to replace Geno Atkins and is more consistent, shows that upside that he showed in Cleveland. And those three guys form the basis of a pass rush with promising rookies like Joseph Osai and Cam Sample being valuable rotational pieces, and they get valuable role-playing snaps from guys like Khaled Kareem and you know Josh Tupower, whoever it is, who are the rotational pieces with that front group. And then the other thing that I think we can talk about as a best-case scenario is you know Logan Wilson being that leader, that that solid linebacker that coaches and Lou Anarumo have talked about a little bit. And we talked about Jesse Bates a ton. They, they they have another really good safety, the way he finished the year in Von Bell. If he can continue to play the way he did and that role that they found for him, he was really good in the second half of the season. And then you, you have the big question mark of those three corners. Well, they spent a lot of money there. If, if Mike Hilton remains the best slot corner in terms of blitzing in football and, and create some havoc in creative blitz packages and is solid in coverage and Chidobe Awuzie lives up to his athletic talents at corner and Trey Waynes is, you know, as solid as, as they want him to be for that money they paid him. That's where you see the ceiling, right? That's their vision. But I mean, there's a lot there that I'm really not very confident in. And I, I think I said this on Twitter the other day and it was this team to me is in many ways a mystery in many ways, they have a lot of potential, but it all comes back to, for me right now, I need to see it to believe it. And I really have no idea what we're going to get. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. with The two things we talked about today outside of the uniforms, which we can see and clearly I believe in, offensive line, they got to prove it. Before we buy in at all, I think everyone feels the same way. And that could have been, if they had no, added another proven per, you know player or two, I still would feel that way because they haven't done it right since 2015 and in the defense, same thing. And I do see the vision. It's about executing the vision. And that's the exciting part because I think if, if these coaches are who the Bengals thought they were when they hired them, that a lot of those things can come true. Not all of them, but that the, the Bengals have a realistic chance to be trending in the right direction. So that part is exciting. Last thing I want to talk about today, James, did you see this from Chad Johnson? Chad Johnson tweeted today, somebody, somebody is criticizing him for not getting open enough in Champ Bailey's coverage. Why'd you cut off your route? It was a Champ Bailey highlight reel. Uh, a couple things. First, Chad like torched Champ Bailey a couple times when they played. I, at least that's my memory. Two, Chad quote tweeted the guy and was like, learn football but also he said it was soft too man there was a safety over the top i had a db underneath me the ball should have been to the check down not trying to squeeze it into me double teamed and james correct me if i'm wrong here but is this not chad johnson admitting for the first time in his life that he was not open on a play and the ball should wow. not have gone to him 
Am I am I reading that? Like I must be reading this tweet wrong, right? Because chat's always open. You're right, and I I can't believe that. I I hadn't seen that until you mentioned it, Jake. So I looked it up real quick. Look, this man Chad Johnson, at forty plus years old, steps into a boxing ring. He's rode a bull. He's raced a horse. He's been on Dancing with the Stars, uh, multiple other reality TV shows. And this guy, after years and years and years of saying he's always open, like 7-Eleven and all this nonsense, admits he wasn't covered or it was covered and that he shouldn't have got the ball on this play. You know what, Chad? How about you make the damn catch because you're always supposed to be open. And he's my favorite Bengal ever. But uh, make the damn play, Chad. I'm still mad about that play because that was in 06 when the Bengals underachieved and should have went to the playoffs. What the hell is going on right now? You just got me in a bad mood, Jake. Oh, I just think it's hilarious. I, I don't know how this didn't get more attention. I tweeted it this morning. I was like, oh, man, I'm being so clever right now. Chad always open Johnson saying the ball shouldn't have gone to him. Oh, man, I'm being so clever. I'm going to get everybody. People are going to love this. And then, like, I don't know, you know, it got engagement. But I thought, I thought, well, now I'm talking about it on the podcast because I want more people to pay attention to it because I think it's hilarious. Yeah, it, it's funny and it's ridiculous. Chad, you should have caught the ball. Blaming Carson. Look at him blaming Carson. This is going to lead for th- this is going to lead first take now. Chad Johnson blames Carson for his issues in, in Cincinnati, maybe in 2010. Well, I just wanted to end on a fun note. I'm sorry to upset you. Uh, wow. I hope you can enjoy your Catch evening. Catch the damn ball, Chad. Enjoy your nice, cool evening in Cincinnati while I'm over here sweating. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. But I do have an exciting little twist for this weekend's mailbag. We're going to do something that it's going to be a little bit of a contest. And what we're going to do is we're going to give you an opportunity to join James and myself as we record the mailbag starting next week. So all you need to do to enter, you have to follow the Locked on Bengals Twitter account, but you're going to get a bonus entry if you go leave us an iTunes review. And in that iTunes review, You can pose your topic of conversation. You can leave us a review. Let us know how we're doing, please. And also make sure you leave your your Twitter handle in there just so we know who it is. And then what we'll also do is in addition to that next week, we will put up the Twitter prompt for questions a little bit early. Make sure you like and reply to that tweet with your topic of conversation for the segment that you're going to come do with James and myself. And You'll also have to be available on Thursday around 6 p.m. or so Eastern time because that's when we'll be recording it. So that will be next week on July 1st when we'll be recording at 6 p.m. So if you want to get in this contest, make sure you put your topic of conversation again in the iTunes review on a Twitter response to that question next week. Not this week. This week is a regular mailbag and Make sure you're available July 1st at 6 p.m. We're going to do this a few times in the offseason. This won't be your only opportunity, but this was the first opportunity. We're going to do a little bit of something new here. So that's all of the criteria. We'll make sure we tweet it out as well so you know what the rules are. And we're looking forward to talking to you. Until next time, Bengals fans, which will be that regular Locked On Bengals weekend mailbag. Hootay and have a good one.